Howdy, friend, and welcome to the Old Hat Podcast. This is episode 10, episode number 10 of the Old Hat Podcast, and I'm James Chambliss, your host, also known as Old Hat. Today's podcast is brought to you by coffee, as per usual, but a little different this time, coffee and omelets Lorraine. If you've ever had quiche Lorraine, then omelet Lorraine just doesn't have pie crust and is a lot easier to make and clean up, (laughs) but tastes just as good. Swiss cheese and bacon on it. Ooh, fantastic. That's what we had for a recent meal. My wife prepared omelets Lorraine, and we're like, well, what are we going to have with it? And I got some Garden Fresh cherry tomatoes. Walked outside to my garden and picked six cherry tomatoes and brought those in, and she cut up an apple, a golden delicious apple. So if you if you like red delicious, no, wait. If you like how red delicious apples used to taste but don't anymore, Try a Golden Delicious apple because they taste like Red Delicious apples used to. Really good. And normally I would say that the apples were really sweet, but compared to the cherry tomatoes I picked out of my garden, they were kind of tart. Those tomatoes were fantastic. Of course, you know, when I'm having omelets, I'm going to have a cup of coffee. But I didn't want to make a whole pot because it was evening time. So I made something that I've been making for a long time now, but it's kind of caught on in fancier coffee shops. You may have seen it. They call it a pour over and it's a big deal and they grind stuff and they put stuff in baskets and they heat water and they get this weird looking container that's got a long spout on it and they very ceremoniously pour water in a certain pattern over the coffee. Makes a good cup of coffee. But if that's fancy, then I am the fanciest cowboy you have ever known because whenever I go camping, the boys and I go camping, I'm the only one that drinks the amount of coffee that I do. And I realized early on it was kind of mean of me to uh, use all of the hot water for coffee. And so now my percolator doesn't percolate coffee. It just makes hot water and the boys can have hot chocolate or tea or whatever. And I will do a pour over coffee for myself. And it makes a great cup of coffee. They're inexpensive. You can find them just about anywhere. You have to, I have to use a filter. They make some that have a built-in filter And as far as I'm concerned, that's just a way to get a crunchy cup of coffee. I prefer to have a paper filter, bamboo filter is what I was using on this particular cup of coffee. And it just makes for a really rich cup of coffee. It's almost as rich as a French press cup. I recommend it if all you have is a tea kettle that you can heat water in and a scoop of coffee into a filter. And this little, it's a little plastic thing that sits on top of a coffee cup. And the filter goes inside of it, and then you just pour water through the top. Great cup of coffee. Highly recommend it. And all of that information is free. (laughs) It doesn't have anything to do with the podcast, except I enjoy talking about coffee, obviously. So today's episode number 10 is brought to you by Coffee, made the old-fashioned way in a pour-over mug. If you have enough friends, then by the time you reach my age, you have spent a lot of time at hospitals, sitting in waiting rooms while somebody you love is having surgery done, or a friend of yours is waiting on their husband or wife or their kid to have surgery or whatever. And it starts out really tense if you've been in that situation. The the waiting room gets a little tense and there's activity for a while, but eventually there's nothing to do but wait. And one of the games that I bring up uh, late at night in calm hospital waiting rooms is an attempt to alleviate the relentless boredom. It's just awful to be there. And one of the things that I bring up has to do with school teachers. I always ask whoever's there, can you name all of your school teachers in order? And, you know, if it's boring enough in the room and everybody's been tense long enough, 
uh, they'll actually play along. And some people can name almost everyone instantly. You know, they know from kindergarten all the way through high school. Usually there's uh, somebody will go, man, I can see that woman's face. What was her name? <laughs> you get a lot of that. And then some people are like me and they just have a lot of blank spaces. I don't know. I have a few of them. Uh, but you end up talking about teachers that really made a difference in their life or the one that, you know, it could be good or bad, right? You could have had a teacher that really had a negative impact on you. But most of the time, somebody will start talking about a teacher that really made an impact. And it reminds me again that teachers are really doing important things. It's really worth the effort. If you're a teacher, it's really worth all the effort you're putting into these not-headed kids because years later in hospital waiting rooms talking to old cowboys, they can remember you and what you told them and what, what they learned from you. Maybe not the subject as much as what they learned about life from you. That's incredibly valuable stuff. There seems to be an unspoken rule, an unwritten rule about this game that if you start the game, you don't get to play. I have no idea why that is, but if you're the one that asked the question, nobody ever asked you again who will tell us, do you know? And so this is my opportunity. I was just thinking about teachers this week. I've seen a lot on social media about it, uh, Teacher Appreciation Month or week or day. And I decided that uh, this would be a good opportunity for me to get to play the game and tell you who some of my favorite teachers were. Now, everyone in my family could tell you that my memory of my childhood is very much like Swiss cheese. There's a lot of holes in it, and you don't know what's supposed to go in there. And uh, certain people in my family would tell you that some of the things I remember didn't actually happen. But I've always said if I ever write my autobiography, I'm going to name it Things I Remember Whether They Happened or Not, or something along those lines. <laughs> I remember it happening whether it actually happened or not. Somewhere in that neighborhood is kind of where my childhood memories reside. But the first teacher I remember was, I was in kindergarten, and I she was not my teacher. I, I have the impression that she was like the PE teacher and she was young, younger than the other teachers. And on days when there was rain and we couldn't go outside, she would bring a guitar and she would play guitar and sing songs to us. And I don't remember her name to save my life, but that's where I fell in love with acoustic guitars. And I own several of them. And I think of her often because she really just by showing up and playing a guitar on a rainy day, Gave me a lifetime hobby. That's a wonderful thing. After that, the first teacher I really remember was my third grade teacher, Mrs. Shankles. I loved that woman. Uh, she was the uh, inspiration for my first bit of poetry ever I wrote. Uh, Good morning, Miss Shankles. You sure have nice ankles. Isn't that wonderful? It's a makes you think I should have got out of the poetry writing business. But hey, it was third grade at eight years old. You take what you can get in the poetry line. My favorite thing about her was listening to her read. She read to us as a class a lot, usually while we were busy with our hands doing something else. And in the middle of reading a story, she'd ad lib something in like, at two o'clock, if you remember this, everyone who remembers this gets to cut out purple cows or something. And at two o'clock, she'd say, okay, if you remember what I said while I was reading, raise your hand. And if you remembered, then you got to go to the craft table and cut out purple cows. And she really taught me to listen. And boy, did I need to know that. We moved between third grade and fourth grade. And my fourth grade teacher, the year I was terrified of a new school, was the most beautiful woman in the world, as far as I could tell. Her name was Miss Orr. And really, uh, she kind of, I think she taught me how to read. Surely I knew how to read before fourth grade. 
but it was in fourth grade that I fell in love with reading. That was the first time I ever ordered books from a school. Have you ever done that? It's so fun when your books show up. I ordered one about Sam Houston, because Texas, right? And one about dolphins, because, I don't know, dolphins are cool. And I still have both of them. I love those books. Uh, that same year, I had to do a, a report on Alaska. We all had to pick a state, and I did Alaska, and I checked out a bunch of books, and I got maps and all kinds of stuff, and I stood up, and I gave my report to the class and told them that someday I was going to go live in Alaska for a year, and everybody in the classroom laughed, except Miss Orr. And she said, you know, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to pack a lot of stuff to take with you because there may not be anything there, so you need to make a list of what you're going to pack to take to Alaska. And I did. I took it very seriously and I made a list. And it's funny because for years after that, if I was having trouble going to sleep, I didn't count sheep. I packed for Alaska. If I'm going to live alone in, for a year back in the outback of Alaska, I'm going to need this. And I would just run down the list and that would calm me down and I would go to sleep. It's a great gift from a fourth grade teacher, isn't it? Junior high was a blur, too. I, you know, at some point my memory kicked in, but it wasn't junior high. I, I remember uh, Mr. Splawn, who was the vice principal in charge of spanking young men like me who got in fights, uh, which happened way too often because I never could walk away from a bully. I still can't. Uh, Coach Crow, who gave me a lot more responsibility than anybody ever had, and, and he taught me to love fishing and canoeing. Those are two things I got from him. And Coach Glenn, who did his best to demystify girls for me while still uh, reinforcing my ideals that were kind of old-fashioned about honor. Uh, Coach Mack, who was always laughing and cutting up, usually playing a practical joke on somebody. And Coach Ankrum, who pushed me to my physical limits and um, astonished me with how strong he was, both physically and, and in his compassion. He was a great teacher. Coach Miller, who was the calmest, most confident human being I had ever met up to that point. He was one of those guys that when he was in the room, no matter what was going on, all the tension went down about 10 decibels. Everything calmed down because he was there. That was great. Now, my dad died my freshman year of high school, and so everything was really a blur after that. I don't, you know, I kind of dropped out. <laughs> mentally dropped out of life that year, but I always remember it was a great relief during my day if I could get to Coach Wood's class. I don't ever remember anything that Coach Wood said to me particularly. I just knew that if I got there, I'd be safe and, and it would be calm and he would, he would look out for me. And that was a great uh, oasis in some pretty hard days for me. Now my memory starts kicking into gear with high school. I really start to remember things. My favorite teacher ever was named Sarah Shiflett, and she was beautiful, and she was intelligent, and she was fascinating, and she could have been, you know, one of the Bond girls, if James Bond was cooler, maybe. She could fly a plane, and she drove a sports car, and she carried a pistol when she went jogging because she lived out in the country. And she taught English and creative writing and aerospace, aviation, and engineering, and I took every class she taught just so I could be in her presence. She was such an inspiration in every front. She taught me how to really figure out what was being said. She taught me to appreciate Shakespeare. And she's the one that really challenged me to start writing some of the poetry down. And so she gave me a love for words that has been just a great release and outlet for me for the rest of my life. And I really, really appreciate her. We kept in touch for years after high school. 
She taught me and my two older sisters, and my entire family got together at one point and took flowers to her house just to say thank you for tolerating so many of us so well. She really had a great impact on all of us. The other teacher that I took so many classes from in high school was Dr. Griffin. Uh, he, he taught history and everything he taught, I took it. If there was a way to work it into my schedule, I was taking a class of his. He wore a suit and a tie every day. Very button-down kind of guy. Uh, if, if you went in to ask a question at lunchtime, he'd be sitting at his desk eating his lunch and uh, with his coat off. And if you came in and say, hey, Dr. Griffin, I had a question about something, he'd go, just a minute. And he'd slide his lunch into his de- uh, desk drawer and close it and stand up and put on his coat. And then he would help you. But he had to get back into his teacher uniform <laughs> before he would really help you. Great guy. He taught every kind of history you could imagine and and with great depth and understanding. He was willing to have a discussion on just about anything in the world if you'd take the time to think seriously about it. And so he taught me to really think and to really wonder about things in the scope of time. In other words, not just what I'm thinking about right now, but has anybody else thought about this before? Has this type of situation come up before? Can we compare it back to something else? So he really had a lot to do with me learning to think logically and over a long time to have a more, um, to take a longer view of life rather than just what's going on today. And as you know, that's always useful. Dr. Griffin could have done anything. There wasn't anything I don't think that he couldn't have handled or, or excelled at. And it was just my great good fortune that he chose to teach high school history when I was there. Now, just a little honesty about high school. For me, I'm not saying that I was a poor student in high school, but I I will admit that Intro to Algebra 1 was the worst three years of my life. Yes, you heard that that right. I took Intro to Algebra 1 three different times before I finally made it out of that class. And uh, uh, teachers, if you're listening, those kids that don't get it eventually might get it. I'm one of those kids. I was one of those kids that went, okay, I don't know why you put the alphabet in my math, but I don't need that. You know, if you want to solve for X, don't ask me why. I just don't, none of this makes any sense to me and I don't care and it doesn't matter. And I've already mentioned my freshman year was pretty hard uh, because I was going through a lot of grief, but a lot of my problems were not helped by my algebra teacher my freshman year. She was a bit of a dictator and she I asked her a question the first few weeks of school. I raised my hand and said, can you tell me how I'm going to use algebra in my life? That's a fair question, right? I mean, I was uh, all of 14 years old, but I thought that was a fair question. And I asked and she didn't have an answer. She just told me that it was because it was on the schedule and I had to learn it and I had to do all this homework. You know, because I said so is never really the best answer to a teenager, is it? (laughs) It certainly wasn't to me, and so I didn't take it very seriously, because if she didn't know why I needed it, then I don't guess I really need it. And then, of course, after my dad had died, um, I got a full-time job, and so I was working. I I did not have time to do homework that was not going to help me in my life when I could go to work and earn money that would help me in my life. And so uh, she and I really kind of hated each other that year. She insisted I do homework, and I insisted I wasn't going to do it. And I don't know that she enjoyed failing me, but we didn't miss each other one time after that. I was glad to get out of her class, and she was glad to get rid of me. 
All right, high school kids, what happens if you fail a class? You get to take it again. And so Old Hat went back to school his sophomore year and took Intro to Algebra 1. And I wish I could remember that woman's name. She is so sweet. I can see her right now. She had this way of throwing throwing her chalk in the air. Yeah, chalk. I said it. It's been a long time. She'd throw her chalk in the air and then turn her hand over and catch it as it was headed towards the floor, never looking at it. Really cool. Love this woman. But I asked her my question, can you tell me how algebra is going to be useful in my life? And, you know, she never answered that question either. And so I didn't do any homework in her class either. And and she failed me, but she cried about it. I made her so sad (laughs) by not passing her class. And I hate that now. Uh, Then I just thought, well, you're wasting my time, so I'm going to go to work. My junior year, I ended up with a guy named Wayne Whitmore for intro to algebra one for my third trip through and this was not a coach who didn't really know the topic this was a take no prisoners deadly serious algebra teacher he was a mathematician of the first order and he uh, he was not friendly and he was a bit scary kind of intimidating but you know i'm a junior and i'm in a class full of freshmen and so the first day or two he starts to teach and i raise my hand and he gritted his teeth and said yes and I said can you tell me how I'm going to use algebra in my life and he bit his lip now all this man knew about me probably was that I had failed this class twice okay (laughs) and now here we go again he bites his lip and he walks over to my desk and he leans over and puts a hand on either side of the desktop and he's about six inches from my face and he said you want to know how algebra is going to be useful in your life. Son, algebra can save your life because if you fail my class, I'll kill you. And then he picked up my desk with me in it and dropped it very loud into a deafening silence. And I realized that if he did that today, he would probably go to jail. But back then, what he was doing was being an effective teacher. And, you know, he got my attention and you will not be surprised, I'm sure, to hear that I passed Intro to Algebra 1 year with flying colors. I did homework and passed tests and everything because I believe he was sincere in that I really didn't want to cross him. And that was a good enough reason for me to pass Intro to Algebra 1. But now fast forward a few years and I became a cowboy. I worked on a ranch. I rode a horse every day. I had a dog that went with me everywhere I went. I had a bunch of cows I was in charge of and a few horses to take care of. And a funny thing happened. I used algebra every day. I ended up going back through town one time and I stopped off just to tell him, hey man, thank you for teaching me algebra because I actually need to know that. If 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 you want me to, I'll tell your classes that they're going to need it. But no, it's It's serious. You really do need algebra if you're going to be a cowboy. And I'll give you an example. If you have a cow that's sick, you're the doctor. If you're the cowboy, you have to give it medicine to make it feel better. So you kind of figure out what's wrong with it. And you go, okay, I think it needs an antibiotic. And you look at the cow and you say, well, how much does the cow weigh? Well, you can't run off and weigh it. You can't take a bathroom scale out there and go, okay, left foot, right foot, back foot, right foot. (laughs) Okay, I think it weighs. You have to look at it and you have to make an estimate. That's a mathematical value, isn't it? Uh, The cow weighs, let's say, 800 pounds. And then you get the bottle of antibiotic and you look on the back and it says, give give the animal two cc's per hundred weight. Y'all, that's algebra. 
There's 800 weights times two cc's. That's, I need a pencil and a paper to really tell you what that number is. But the fact of the matter is that you need algebra if you're going to give your cow a shot of gallomycin because it's got hoof rot. You know, if a simple old cowboy like me needs algebra, a smart kid like you probably needs algebra too. I tell this story a lot because I think a lot of people have the same question. How am I ever going to use this in my life? You know what? Algebra is one of those things that's so useful that later I went and got an algebra book and learned more algebra while sitting in the barn. And then later I got a geometry book because I needed to learn more geometry. And the year that they told me I had to build a set of scales, I had to get a physics book and sit in the, sit in the barn when it rained and try and teach myself physics. Folks, it's a lot easier to let a good teacher explain all this stuff to you. But trust me, you're going to need it more than you think you do. And I'm glad I went back and wrote a letter thanking Mr. Whitmore. Uh, he wasn't there that day, and so I borrowed some paper and sat in the office like I was uh, tardy for a class and writing sentences and just told him thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for doing what it took to reach me, even though that was kind of an unusual tactic to take maybe. It was effective, and that's a teacher's job is to find a way to be effective in the lives of the kids that they teach. And he was very effective in me. And, you know, I look back, and he's one of my very favorite teachers. Y'all, we were never friends. He never did loosen up. We never really did get along that well. I did my homework, and he taught me algebra. And that was what we were supposed to be doing together. But he made a big impact on my life, still does, as a grown old man. That uh, some of these things, even if you don't know how you're going to use it, it's going to come in handy because knowledge is never useless especially when it has to do with math. So much of life revolves around math and you don't even think about it, whether you're baking something or whether you're... I planted a garden recently and figuring out how much I needed uh, in mulch to cover the garden. Guess what? Algebra. That's exactly how that works. Counting seeds and figuring out how long the row needs to be if the seeds have to be planted 18 inches apart. You know what that is? Algebra. It just really comes in handy with the country life and I expect it comes in handy anywhere you choose to live. There you have it. Those are my favorites. I remember others, and they made a difference, or, you know, in a good or a bad way, some of them. But those are stories for another day. This is my list of favorites, and I'll let it stand as it is. So if you're a teacher, know that what you're doing matters now, and it's going to matter for a long, long time. What you're doing is incredibly valuable, way beyond what's happening in the time frame that you're in now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, these kids are still going to remember that you taught them good things. They're still going to remember that you gave them a safe place to be. They're still going to remember that you encouraged them. They're still going to remember that you inspired them. What a great gift to give to your students. Thank you for that. But maybe you're more like me. Maybe you struggled in school too. And maybe you weren't as lucky as your teachers. I had one that told me I was never going to amount to anything. Maybe you had a teacher like that. I wish I could go back and find the people who told you what you couldn't do and explain to them how far you've come, how much you've grown, how much you've learned. I'd like to explain to those people that said you couldn't that you have. I'd love for them to know what you've become, that you've achieved your dreams, that you really have made an amazing amount of progress. What a great person you've become. You know, I really believe you can because you have. You keep doing that. I'm so impressed with that. And maybe if I could go back and convince them of those things, then I'd have some luck finally convincing you of those things because you really can. I see you here now as you are, 
and I believe you can. More than that, I believe that the best is yet to come. This is Old Hat, signing off.